Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 19th, 2011. Now newcomers should always look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and help yourself to the hundreds of audios that are up there for download for free where I try and give you clues as to the big picture. You can't, you can't get all of it because there's so much of it and there's so many people involved and organizations involved in it that they're bringing you into this wonderful global plantation where we all have to compete against each other like slaves. And that's really what we are in a sense as far as the big boys are concerned. They don't really see us as people anyway. They see us as economic units and viable only for their big corporations. And that's really what globalism is all about. So I try and give you the, the history of this. It's a very old history, by the way, and how, of course, they give us a faint, a faint uh, called democracy and had people believe in it and get raised in it and believe they had rights and all the rest of it when all the time they had centuries planned with their big global business plans. So help yourself to those audios. And while you're there, too, remember that you are an audience that bring me to you. So uh, you can go into the cuttingthroughmedias.com and purchase the books and the discs I have for sale. Hopefully that'll keep me going. I mean, just keep me going, maybe. And um, from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase them with a personal check or an international postal money order. And uh, some people send cash. You can also, across the rest of the world, use PayPal to order. Just use the donation button you'll see on the com site and follow it up with an email with your name, address, and order on it, and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Some countries use Western Union for direct wire. It's more expensive. And there's also MoneyGram, too, in some countries, which can also give you a a check, which you can post. It's much cheaper, and uh, it takes about seven days or so to get here. That's up to you. And again, some people just send cash from from Europe instead of um, giving all the extra cash to the big boys who own everything. They own the banks. They own the wire services. They own everything to do with money. And the books that I sell, too, are different. I don't go into the usual rubbishy history, because all history is fake, to be honest with you. They never give you the real reasons behind the wars, who benefits, who profits, who planned it, and all that kind of stuff. We're living through wars right now, and most folk don't even think to inquire what's really behind these things. Even when you tell them and show them evidence that, for instance, that the the last war with Iraq um, was planned back in the 90s. It's just astonishing that folk really, uh, like, they prefer to to a a blind eye to it because once you understand what's really going on in the world and where it's to go with you too, if it doesn't shut you down and immobilize you and you can actually handle it, uh, you would have to start making decisions in order to oppose it, what's coming down the pike. Because I really mean it when I say a global plantation worldwide. It was the most farcical thing, farcical thing I've ever, ever heard and read my life when I, uh, I saw in Britain this whole idea come out from government about 
all the countries of Europe would have to compete with each other. And then they amalgamated the whole lot into one big corporation, all the countries. And then it says, well, now they'll have to compete with China. How on earth can you compete with people who are getting paid maybe at 50 cents to a dollar a day? It's impossible. But you see, that's what the big boys actually, actually want. Isn't that fascinating, eh? Now, they're not stupid at the top. Never, ever think that those who run the world and run the big international corporations, the very feudal system that Carl Quigley was talking about. That's what he said. This historian, the official historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, this shadowy group that run your governments and run everything else. But it's a new kind of feudalism, you see. And eventually they'll all get appointed areas to overlord, and you'll be underneath them. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, every country out there now has a division of really psychological warfare experts working with government to keep everyone in shock and awe. And we heard that during the Gulf War or the the, the Iraqi War, shock and awe. But when they give an announcement, they're also talking about different techniques or different levels of shock and awe because they use it on the public. And I've read the articles here from the military, in fact, talking about perpetual war. We must be kept in a state of perpetual war. There's lots of, of forms of warfare. There's direct warfare where guys in uniforms just go in and kill people and, or they bomb you. Uh, and uh, there's also economic war as well. Economic war is very effective because everyone runs on this strange thing called money that only a few very special people apparently understand. And when you get that kind of statement made, you should know that when you can't understand something that's so simple, uh, then obviously it's a con, and it is a con. It's not meant to be shared with other people, and neither is the loot that they acquire too through all their different cons. We've been through bank rapes and plunder. We've been through plunder by a government to reward the banks for plundering you, and it's just astonishing what's being allowed today because you're being trained into a new system. Even scouring the news for, for articles in the U.S. is relatively quiet and Obama's always kept off in the backgrounds, and that way you can't be attacked for saying anything or changing anything, you see. And any real changes that are going on, it's like Britain, it comes through your local authorities, and that takes, again, the heat off the main politicians. This is the new type of authoritarian government that uh, the Council on Foreign Relations and others have been talking about. We're being trained into that now. In fact, the media, of course, has always got a big part to play, because the media itself is an essential arm of government and, and giving the people a particular reality, making them believe in a particular reality, and even giving them lots of trivia to make them think life is fun and okay and stuff like that. There's, you understand, I've read articles too, and some books on the air, from very special people who were brought up in different schools than you'll ever, ever hear of. Very, very, very private schools uh, that might only take five people. And these guys are prepared for really running the world in big positions. And that, of course, is a a different sense of reality that they're being taught 
than the ones at the bottom. At the bottom and in between, you're taught to work hard and one day you'll make it my son stuff, that kind of nonsense, you see. And be good to everybody, just be good to everyone. And be considerate about people and have a conscience. Well, this other crew are taught in a Darwinian type of theory uh, where they see the people as mere peons. They're taught by daddy, of course, that this is how we run it in the past, and this is how you pl- play the cons on the peons down below, just as so though you're talking about trained animals. And, and I really mean that when I say that. And that's how the world is really, really run. And, and the, the plunderers are always put in to the heads of government uh, by those who rule the money establishment of the entire planet. It's the whole economy across the, the, the globe. It's just an amazing. And then they give us their propaganda about different organizations that exist supposedly to help people like the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and all the rest of it. These organizations are private institutions of bankers who want a big, big reward for lending out any cash at all. And when you default on your loans, they take entire countries over and their policies as well. Then they introduce policies until they get that cash back. These are hard-nosed, hard, hard-nosed businessmen. They're not there because they like people. The only thing they like about them is that they can use you to get cash off you. I'm not, I'm not kidding about that either. They see you as an animal. You're an economic unit and it's got a purpose or no purpose. And God help you if you get sick, because then you have no purpose. You're a burden on their profit. You're somehow or another, if you go to hospital, you're taking away their profit one way or another, you see. So it's all broadcast to us at the bottom via the news media. And every government that's ever had the first radio station and then the television stations has have, have set up their own organizations to make sure you get the right kind of propaganda and indoctrination. Bernays went into that in some detail, not a lot of detail for, 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 for most folk, only to students, obviously. And uh, again, that's how they keep it in the family. How to, in fact, one of his members is his family helps run the British government with all their propaganda. But uh, it, it's astonishing to realize that this, this, these techniques that they use on the public across the world actually work perfectly. And when you're being screwed one way, they give you another shock and awe to distract you, uh, wondering how am I going to survive in this direction? How shall I survive in that direction? And all the big plans is they amalgamate the planet into one giant corporation. That's what it is. Is all, all the big plans and, and all the lives that break up and all the rest of it and, and get, get rid of small private businesses on the way, which is an essential part of this, by the way, of globalism, is to be the big corporations only, eventually. All of that is just making an omelette. You can't make an omelette without breaking eggs, and Rockefeller said that himself. That's what we're going through. But as I say, they use the media. Now, here's an article here from Canada. Canada is very quiet right now, too. All the countries are quiet as you get taught um, from other sources about the new system you're in, where politicians will stay more and more in the background and to get away from the heat of the public. And minor officials and so on will just leak stuff into the media. It says here, the CRTC is proposing a regulatory change that would give Canadian television and radio stations, listen to this, more leeway to broadcast false or misleading news. I've mentioned before the the team that um, had a contract with Fox who were doing a, um, a particular 
uh, expose on a corporation, and they're, they're, it was cancelled by Fox, this, this, this group's uh, um, contract, and they, they tried to sue Fox. They took them to the Supreme Court, and the judge says, well, he says, there's no, there's no law anywhere existing that the media must tell you the truth on anything. And that is true. But you see, after 9-11 and so on, Canada being a, a smaller country and having an old-fashioned type bureaucracy that are not too swift, um, they go overboard with things initially and they made changes to make sure that you would only uh, tell supposedly the truth. Now, the, the, whole prob- the whole reason for media to be out there at all is propaganda. There's no other function, you know. And I'm not just saying that off the top of my head. I've got the big boys themselves who've written about it in the past. That's, that is its purpose. So here they are giving leeway to broadcast uh, false or misleading news. It says, current regulations contain a blanket prohibition on broadcasting any false or misleading news. That's probably why the government's being quiet. They need the media to give us all the bullshit. And that's what they do with it, too. Like, NAFTA would be good for Canada. Globalism would be good for Canada. And so on. The same spiel and the same script that every other country's prime minister and president was told to tell the people. So it says that the Canadian Radio Television Communications Commission wants to considerably narrow the scope of that prohibition. It's proposing a ban on the broadcast of any news that the licensee knows is false, or misleading, that, that puts the government propaganda right out because they can't ever tell you the truth. Or misleading, and that endangers or is likely to endanger the lives, health, or safety of the public. We should all be suing the government for mental health problems, for all the, the junk they've been feeding us for, for years and years. More so in other countries like Britain, but what a basket case that is with PSYOPs. The CRTC quietly posted notice of the proposed change, which is slated to go into effect on September the 1st on its website last week. So that's this where they put it. They just put it slipped into their website. The agency is accepting comments from the public until February the 9th. Don't bother because they won't reply to you. Uh, Michael Geist, a University of Ottawa law professor specializing in communications issues, says the proposed prohibition is far too limited. If we're setting a high standard that you've got to actually endanger someone's life, health, or safety. Frankly, almost anything that's false or misleading uh, that's obviously outside of that fairly narrow scope would be fair game, Mr. Geist said in the interview. Well, the lawyers, there'll be a whole layer of lawyers, of course, coming out of university, walking into good jobs. It's amazing how everything that comes out, there's, there's more jobs for lawyers. Eh? He says, for instance, uh, false news that caused financial harm would not be covered by the more limited prohibition. Well, financial harm causes other, every other kind of harm, doesn't it? A CRTC official explained that the proposed change is in response to concerns raised several years ago by a joint parliamentary committee on scrutiny of, regu- scrutiny of regulations. The committee feared the sweeping ban on false and misleading news was too broad and vague and wouldn't withstand the challenge under the Charter of Rights. Its concerns were based on a number of court rulings at the time involving freedom of speech. So, in other words, they want the right to give uh, an awful lot more propaganda out. Uh, that's really what it's telling us under all this gobbledygook here. And as I say, um, they've always been given as propag- that's what governments do. Every government department, right down to your local police station, has its, its own public relations officer to give you the spin. That's what public relations is. It's a, it's a, it's a term for propaganda, you see. 
It sounds much better, though, public relations. So they give you the spin so that you'll perceive the way they want you to perceive whatever it is they're, they're, they're pushing. That's what all medias do. The same medias, remember, could keep wars quiet in the past all over the world and say nothing, nothing at all. Even all the slaughters that were going on, they said nothing. You don't have investigative reporters anymore. You just don't have them. And if you do have them, they're embedded with some military or other. Now, Professor Carroll quickly went into great detail on how from the 1800s a particular group had run what was known then as the British Empire, which is a good chunk of the world. And they'd run America too. And they they had different names for different parts or stages of belonging to the group. And we'll talk about that when I come back from this break. Cutting through the matrix, just talking about Professor, Car- Professor Carroll Quigley, who wrote uh, *Tragedy and Hope* and the Anglo-American establishment. And if you want to know history at all, you have to read those books because he gives you the reasons and the people behind wars, for instance, and their ultimate goals and their maneuvering and their chess playing on the minds of their public and their enemies as they take over the planet. And he was all for this uh, uh, society. He was a member. That's why he was the official historian who got access to all the records. And um, he thought the public uh, should, should know about it, though, because it was of such import to what had been happening for well over a hundred years. And um, these are the guys who brought the Federal Reserve via Mandel House uh, and Wilson into the United States. These are the guys who brought you income tax. These are, and they boast about it, too, in their own records. In all countries. These are the guys who brought uh, death duties in, in as well, so that when you die off, you won't leave something to, to a relative, the, the government steps in and takes half of it. I mean, these are the guys who have run your life. These are the guys who have set up wars, in fact, to, to get people to their knees, to bring them to their knees so that they'd give up all rights and all the rest of it. And they're everywhere, all throughout all governments, under different names. The Royal Institute of International Affairs, now they call themselves. They also have brands running in the whole of the European Union, uh, the European um, Institute for International Affairs. Uh, the Council on Foreign Relations are called in the U.S. and Canada sometimes. Canada's got a different name for them, too. They changed it about a year ago. But... Um, it's the same organization, and, and again, part of them, because they're, they're a degreed society, there's the outer party, the middle, and the inner party. And that depends, that, that all decides on how much you as a member will possibly know about the real reasons why things are going ahead. And pretty well, everybody in the media, mainstream media, the, the well-known faces and so on, and reporters are members of it. You can't just go and join it like a club. You have to be tested, and then you'll be approached and asked to join it to make sure you've got the right stuff, I meaning you can keep your mouth shut or lie. But these are the guys who also want their, their, their post-crisis world, they call it. And tonight I'm putting up a, an article. It's from the CFR's website. They, they call it Chatham House, the initial house that they were set up in, 
which also, by the way, during World War II was ahead of MI6 and MI5, the reason being that all of their agents were agents that became the OSS and eventually MI5, MI6 and the CIA, all from their headquarters, because they already had a world intelligence service comprising of themselves. So I'll put up this article on Asia and Europe engaging for a post-crisis world and also the link for the PDF because uh, when these big boys engage this kind of uh, stuff, uh, something big is going on as they amalgamate more and more uh, countries together now, I guess, in the Asian countries uh, as they have done in Europe. And uh, they'll turn the whole place into an even worse sweatshop than it is already, obviously, because Asia has been used as a sweatshop and the Far East as well. A, a, a tremendous sweatshop, all the way to Japan. And you never hear about these countries. You always think that they're prosperous and doing well, because the media, again, uh, will show you the, the nice cities and the, the well-to-do people. They don't show you the millions of people who can't get jobs or who live in huts or all the rest of it, wherever they go. You need this massive unemployed labor to keep prices down and wages. Maggie Thatcher said that. Years ago. Now, part of the plan, as I say, is to look at Britain because it's communitarianism as they slash and burn all the systems that you had set up for society through your tax money and privatized everything. And then, of course, as I say, the, the con game is that the, the new system is when they privatize something, the public pay for the upkeep and the maintenance. And, of course, the big boys just take the massive profit. And that really is what public-private partnerships consist of. But the National Health Service in Britain uh, that worked at one time uh, was purposely demolished to end up selling it off, basically. The, the, the moment is run by what they call trusts. And uh, they, they slashed and burned the hospitals, the beds, and uh, the staff, and all the rest of it. Well, they're just announced in Britain. And this goes in with communitarianism, because you see, in communitarianism, you will have to, to borrow money to get your hospitals in your own area. And you'll be borrowing money for everything that you need in your own area. And once you, you're up to your eyes in debt, and you default on your loans to the IMF or to whoever gives it the World Bank, uh, then, of course, you'll have a feudal overlord who'll then own your area outright. And I'm not kidding about that. That is coming. That is the plan. But Cameron, who's supposedly the titular head of Britain, uh, has been sent in, of course, to really shake up Britain to the next step. And it says here, he's, he's been accused of being arrogant for pushing ahead with plans for one of the biggest shake-ups in the, in the NHS's history, despite opposition from health experts and unions. The publication of the Health and Social Care Bill prompted a fierce exchange in the House of Commons and blah, blah, blah. Under the plan, all 151 of England's primary care trusts, that's the ones that supposedly take care of the hospitals, will be abolished, along with 10 strategic health authorities. General practitioners, your doctors, will be given around 80% of the National Health Service budget. Imagine the corruption involved there. Uh, currently topping $100 billion a year as pounds to commission services for patients. A new National Health Service Commissioning Board will oversee this process, and new health and well-being boards will bring together the National Health Service, public health, and social care leaders. It's all being amalgamated into one system, but you'll have to pay for it for your own little community and get the loan for it. Back with more after this break. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and just talking about the, the, the big society that Britain is the flagship for to fly this new system where basically you and your community supposedly, it'll be a farce as always, will be appointed with your, your heads anyway, uh, who in a Soviet style will decide you know, where the money goes that that's going to be borrowed uh, for your little area and how you spend it, right down to the healthcare, and someone eventually will decide who's going to live and who's going to die. Because they say, well, you can't get any more cash, you see. These are the same, the same governments, remember, who bailed out the banks with billions and billions, without question. Without question. The same banks that are reaping in, uh, incredible profits right now and publishing them and giving billions to their top CEOs. But for their own people, no. You see, we're all expendable now, you see. We're post-Cold War, so they don't need us to fight their wars over there anymore. They can, there are actual private armies across the world, and they, they had articles about this years ago. Uh, how will we, we do this in a global society? How can we create a patriotic uh, uh, soldiery who would serve their bosses without having really a country? Well, they've got them already, you see. And it's interesting, too, that the United Nations, the big front for the big richest men on the planet, um, again, under philanthropy and helping people, that's how they, how they always put it, you see. Um, the United Nations uh, Department of Agriculture talked about rationing food long, many, many years ago in its charter. And then they said it'd be up to each region to ration it, and if they don't bring it down their populations, uh, then they'll have to find ways to do it themselves. Who's going to live? Who's going to die? And here they're going to do the same thing with the health service, you see, how it all works together. To me, the news is awfully boring because I only read what I've read already years ago. Now I'm only seeing it implemented step by step because these guys wrote about it a long time ago, generally for, for, for academics or dry, dusty books that lay in libraries written by politicians who love to write memoirs and stuff. But it's all out there. So it's a very boring life when you know what's coming and you're not fooled by the propaganda of the moment. So I'll put this link up tonight as well. And then go into this. The, the guys, you know, who are pretty high up on the scale of things uh, on this big ladder uh, to the pyramid top, not the top boys, but the guys who run countries uh, and are part of the military-industrial complexes and who always, when they leave politics, actually uh, end up owning a lot of the companies which they, they, they push forward uh, when they were in politics like all the boys who are in charge of the military and stuff. But these are the biggest boys on the planet. And it, it says here uh, that Blankfein Balmer are among CEOs invited to meet with Hugh, the president of China, or prime minister, at the White House, it says here. These guys literally are, uh, they run whole continents with their cash and their military and so on. And they back all the big dictators as long as they keep sweatshots going. that's The, the IMF actually says that their only uh, exclusion for getting a loan is if you will not go global, meaning you must let them run you with all their big uh, international corporations. It says here, uh, Steve Balmer, Chief Executive Officer at Microsoft Corporation, we've got him, him there, 
and Goldman Sachs Group, and it will be amongst the corporate leaders that Obama administration is bringing together tomorrow for a meeting with President, Chinese President Hu Jintao, aimed at uh, expanding U.S. business interests in China. That's that's meaning they want a, a bigger stake of uh, the profits. That's what that means, and making sure that the laborers are only really kept dirt poor in China. That's what they did in all the other countries that they've been into. CEO Steve Ballmer of Microsoft and Lord Lloyd Blankfein of Goldman will be joined by General Electric Company, the big, again, military industrial boys, Chief Executive Jeffrey Immelt, uh, Jim McNerney of Boeing Company, and 10 other U.S. business leaders for a meeting the administration announced. It's amazing, too, if you look at the fly, China is still flying, you know. And they had America involved fighting communism all these years and stole the same flag because you must be a member of the Communist Party in China to have a business. You must join the party. It says the CEO summit on the White House grounds coming between a formal welcoming ceremony and a dinner in Hughes' honor as part of the economic focus President Barack Obama has put in on the first formal state visit for a Chinese leader in more than 13 years. Also invited to the meeting are Westinghouse Electric Corps CEO Aris Candris, former Skybase or Sybase Inc. Chief Executive John Chen, Coca-Cola, that's a weapon in itself, I think that stuff, Chief Executive Mutar Kent, DuPont Company, that's the guys that make all the powder and stuff for explosives, CEO Ellen J. Coleman, Greg Page, CEO of Cargill Inc., of course, Cargill's got to be in there, John Thornton, Chairman of HSBC Holdings, North American Division, David Rubenstein, co-founder and managing director of Carlyle Group, Paul Ottolini, Intel Core, CEO and Dow Chemicals Company, CEO Andrew Leveris. So, in other words, that's the establishment uh, that's higher up on the totem pole. They are America, by the way. Amongst themselves, they believe they are America. They really do. And that's how they, they treat Americans, like little peons at the bottom. No different, by the way, as little peons working in the sweatshops across the world and all their companies and so on. Mind you, they always get the peons from America to go off and fight if some guy gets elected and, and shuts the door to them. Because you must have open-door policies when you're dealing with these boys. That's the deal. Now, there's callers on the line. There's David from the UK. Are you there, David? Yeah, yeah. How are you? Not too bad. Just tying in here as the temperature plummets. Yeah. yeah. Hello? Yeah, it's breaking up a little bit. Uh, can you still hear me now? Yeah, just carry on. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, uh, it's interesting. You were mentioning trusts. Uh, I had some posts today from uh, the Pensions Trust. I thought you might be interested in. Uh, it's basically a ballot paper to see who goes on to the board of directors. And uh, they give you a sort of sheet of paper with all the different people on with what they do yeah. and uh, what they plan to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one here called Caroline Hyde Price. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says uh, she has a first degree in international politics. It should probably do with having a few more. Uh, she was head of international affairs at the Royal College of Nursing. Uh, in 2004, Caroline moved to the Health Protection Agency and was then appointed 
Executive Director for the World Council of Optometry, a small registered charity working in international eye and vision care. She is now on a career break. Uh, Caroline's interest in governance of pensions stems from her management skills in corporate planning, performance monitoring, membership communications and strategic developments. This is the best bit. In addition to her personal experience in having a variety of pension arrangements. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, shall I vote for her? Oh, well, you know darn well what it's about. And mind you, they probably won't offer, offer you anybody else because these people's careers are made for them. I've written on the ballot, on the ballot paper, uh, I vote to stop gambling with people's money. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins, good luck. That's right. That's right. So I'll send that off. They've provided me with a free uh, envelope to post it with. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing's free. I mean, I'm sure the taxpayer paid for it already. But that's what's running you today. See, what you're in today is, is this is called the era of, of global management. And these characters are picked long before you ever hear their names and groomed uh, and, and put along, put through the doors that are always open for them through all these different um, degrees and all the rest of it for their career as the new global management corp. And she's obviously one of them. So you're quite right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I was looking as well, as well at the uh, BBC website today. Apparently, uh, Sky News are going to handle the uh, Queen's Christmas speech this year. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, apparently they've washed the hands of the BBC. Well, that's, yeah. After, after the last little scandal. Uh, feel about that. Yeah, well, they've got so many scandals getting reported that the Beeb yeah, lost his little contract with them. It doesn't matter because basically, you know, they still have, the, the Queen still signs the charter for the BBC to exist every so often. It gets renewed. So the, 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 eventually they'll toe the line again, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Prince Philip apparently said something quite interesting. Uh, the BBC say it was reported that the BBC was being punished for screening Princess Diana's famous panorama interview in 1995. Yeah. which was not sanctioned by Buckingham Palace. That's right. That was denied by the Palace, which said the new arrangements reflect the composition of the television and radio industries today. Mm-hmm. Palace officials described Sky, partly owned by Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation, as a serious broadcaster with a global reach. <laughs> serious broadcaster, yeah. Yeah. In 2006, Prince Philip once spoke about what he called Mr Murdoch's anti-establishment attitude, telling the BBC it had really pulled the plug on an awful lot of things that we hold to be quite reasonable and sensible institutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's astonishing, but but again, uh, uh, I mean, Rupert Murdoch, I mean, what a character. That, I mean, he, he's an, another global baron, you know, the baron of the media. And um, he'll still get his a higher knighthood than he already has, I'm sure. And he'll oh, get yeah, up the... the, the yeah, he'll see, he'll see all the right things, you see, and um, and all the propaganda. You know, the BBC, the, the, the Buckingham Palace has its own propaganda agency that work for the royalty, and they, you have to go through a whole bunch of uh, these front people uh, before you get an interview, and an interview is all set up, and they write all the rules for it, and questions that they ask, because they must put on a persona to the public, you know, and, and show you that the Queen... Yeah, people don't realise that every... Law passed in Britain, uh, regardless of the Parliament, must be signed year or nay by the Queen. 
that's got to get approved by. She's not just a figurehead, believe you me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, probably Canada's as well. Yes. Australia, Australia's as well. That's right. You see the crown everywhere, even along the highway here. So it, it's yeah. Right. It, nothing changes, eh? Mm. No. But but thanks for calling, Dave. Yeah. And we'll try Josh in Ontario. Are you there, Josh? Hello. Is Josh there? Hello. Yes, go ahead. Hey, um, I had a question for you. Uh, I've never really heard you talk about this, and I want to know what your thoughts are on uh, the genesis of the Earth, or like your beliefs on how we got here, sort of thing. Well, to, to be honest with you, there's no point in even going into how we got here because no one's got any proof to to show it. It just you're going into the realms of uh, beliefs which encompass all religions and even the ones that don't think that they are religions. Um, uh, all we know, and I think even the ancient philosophers in Greece, some of them said the same thing, I think, therefore I am. In other words, all I know is that I seem to exist since I wake up every day and uh, have the same problems and, as everyone else has. Um, that's all you can go by. Um, how we got here, who knows. I do think that man is far, far older uh, then we're told, uh, especially intelligent men, um, I don't think, uh, I mean, you, you take the whole Darwinian theory, there's a political reason for Darwin coming out, remember, and part of it was to destroy religion, he mentioned that himself, this would definitely be the nail in the coffin, and, um, and it's so that science could rise up to be the new priesthood, and that's what they use today is science in, in place of religion. And then they come up with their own belief system and that man uh, suddenly became intelligent at a specific period on a Friday afternoon so many thousands of years ago at half past four and stuff like that. And uh, that that becomes a belief system without any real proof at all. Um, and it doesn't matter how many fake jaws they put together, you know, jaws of pigs with human skulls and stuff. And that's been exposed before, like Piltdown Man. Um, they keep going along with, like global warming with the same chant. So um, there's no real point in, in trying to figure out how we got here. Uh, all, what's more important is why are we here? And 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 it's, it's something that's very very true. Is is also um, what are we going to do with our lives now, right now? You know, and uh, that's more important than ever. Otherwise, it's mental masturbation, and that's what most stuff is out there is mental masturbation. Um, uh, nothing matters uh, really except where where we're going from here, and people should be really up and and doing something if they want to to stop being ruled by a small clique of people who've plundered the planet for for hundreds of years and who run your governments and they've told us where they're taking us, which is destitution and depopulation. Um, so so try not to get into the the ancient stuff. We, as I say, all you've got in, in what's recorded history, I would start checking into the histories of India before I go into anybody else's history because even amongst their mythology, they have a lot of good history regarding how people are controlled, uh, how religions are created to control the peoples so that they're meek and they're easily managed. Um, and really, when you look at all the religions, even that of, of Egypt, uh, and Judaism too, 
Um, and, and many religions out there, most religions out there, if not all of them, you'll, you'll find the counterpart in a much, much older India. So at one time, India uh, had a big, big place to play in this big world of ours. We know that Sumer, for instance, its main export was wool, uh, 5,000-odd B.C., and they went, to, they, they exported mainly to, to uh, India at that time. India was the America, the USA of that period. Uh, and yet there's so little given to the Western world on these particular people who, whose descendants still run India today, you know, the high Brahmin caste. So uh, uh, there's far more of it there. And they also talk about ages, and ages can be taken mystically, or you can take them in a rational manner and say, ages are business plans, long-term business plans. And we do know uh, that they say at the end of an age, all those who are unfit, the masses, um, die off, and they cannot come through into the next stage. And uh, the elites go through, or the lumen go through, or the knowledgeable go through, the evolved go through. If you think that Darwin came up with the evolution, just go into India. Uh, if you go into their Hinduism, everything started as slime and mud and water and all the rest of it. That's where Darwin and all these characters got their ideas from. But uh, it's, it's completely ignored by the, the press. If you go to India, you can pick up stacks of old books written in the 1800s. Uh, um, uh, for dirt cheap too on a lot of their histories uh, and yet none of, none of it's republished or, or printed and put over here it's just so sad because it's a lecture it's, it's, a, it's a system of control they're showing you how to keep millions dumb in every generation back with more after this break Folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And, and just to end that last color there, before going to the next one, uh, India, uh, they have the, everyone's heard of the great cycle of the zodiac, the great cycle, there's thousands, many thousands of years. India claim, and that's a platonic year, they call it. India um, claims that they've gone through many cycles, each lasting millions of years. So it's, it's an interesting paradox as we, we go through the different systems. But there's no doubt all the, the, the what the people think is New Age comes from India. And uh, everything that's been done today in the New Age movements all originated in India and a long, long time ago and is recycled over and over again for thousands of years. They call it a perennial religion. And then we'll go on to Deborah from Baltimore. Are you there, Deborah? Good evening, Alan. Good evening, Hamish. Um, Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just been, you know, redone, uh, re, you know, cycled, renamed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find it so interesting. People want to go back um, hundreds, hundreds, and or maybe even thousands of years when really we've got a we've got a problem right here right now that we need to face yeah and whether or not you want to go back hundreds or thousands of years really makes no difference yeah um because it okay it it transpired then and it's carried through um but it's always been 
and now we're at at that point well what are you going to do about it now yeah absolutely you can go on forever with speculation there are people who there's folk making their living of of what they call mysteries and mystery religions and there's re- recycling stuff that you can pick up in any book out there uh, because that's all they do is recycle the same stuff, but it mystifies people and like storytellers. But uh, what are you going to do right now? That's all that really matters. Are we going to go on with the same corrupt the money system? Time and energy to go backward. Yeah. Uh, one thing we do know is that for, for thousands of years, this odd thing called money has been handled by the same peoples uh, down through the ages with compound interest and all the cons and so on. They've turned nations in the past into slaves in the past. And we're watching the same thing happen again under a, a more hygienic terminology. But that's what's happening today. And the, the public are completely uh, oblivious or ignorant of it. And we've got to get a, a, a new form of money, uh, which is not run and, and run by private uh, peoples who end up also running governments and often participate in government. I mean, it's got to utterly change. And this debt nonsense has to be tossed out the window as well. Oh, totally. I, I completely agree there. I mean, in, in no more is it um, so right in your face as now. Oh, absolutely. Right, right in the open right now. Uh, and again, the public have uh, been trained not to see it, or or it's none of. It's, they've been trained. Well, I don't look at that that kind of stuff. It's above my head. These are specialists taking care of this for me. I'll, you know, that's nonsense. Uh, what these characters do. Or the, uh, I don't understand derivative. Yeah. Well, it's very clear mm-hmm. what a derivative is. And I'm mm-hmm. no freaking math genius, but I can explain on a layman's terms what all this fraud is. Of course it is. As, as most people can. Um, but it's, they shut down. They don't want to hear it. It's, yeah. Because it's complicated terminology, but two and two equals four. <laughs> you know, it's as simple as that. <laughs> but th- thanks for calling, uh, and uh, that's the end of this show. So from Hamish and myself, it's good night uh, from Ontario, Canada. And may your God or your God go with you too. <laughs>